Fear is, uh, is the boundary line of Satan's power. The moment you step over the line of fear, you destroy his control. Yeah, I'm gonna ask you to step over today. Every one of you from time to time, and maybe today, has experienced fear. And oftentimes we don't admit it, especially if we're a guy, right? I mean, we don't wanna admit fear, but it's there nonetheless. It might be fear about what's happening in our world and the economy, it might be your job status, it might be you know, just family dynamics, but there's fear that operates. And the Bible says that it's a spirit, it's not an emotion. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. And whenever you, whenever you come up against fear, the natural tendency is to back off. The Bible says, no, the, natu- the, the, the supernatural thing to do is to confront and move forward. When we move forward in the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God, we can go forth and be strong in all things, amen? Today I wanna speak to you from a very familiar story to most of you. It's the crossing of the Red Sea when Israel left the land of Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea. And sometimes these stories that are so familiar to us, they lose the edge because we forget what the real message behind that is. I I think the real message that I wanna begin with is this one, you can't stay where you are. Have you ever wanted to just, things not to change? Nah, I just don't change anything. Just leave everything the way it is. And it might, you might be in misery, but you don't want to change. And it is because we get so accustomed to our comfort zones and to even the mess we find ourselves in, we just think, well, I don't want to move forward. Now think about, think about that. Let me set up the story. Israel is in the land of Egypt. They're in bondage. They're laborers. They're forced to make all these bricks for the Egyptians for their building projects. They're they're in slavery day in and day out. Their children grow up in slavery. Their children don't know any different. They just grow up in slavery, slavery everywhere. And all of a sudden, God raises up this guy named Moses. And he says, Moses, I want you to go to the Pharaoh, and I want you to say to him, let my people go. Now, that would seem kind of ridiculous that a Jewish slave, but remember, he grew up in Pharaoh's household by God's divine appointment. Do you realize that the places that you are right now and the connections you have and the opportunities you have are not accidental? God wants you to use those for his glory and for your good. And sometimes you say, well, who am I, what can I do? You, you can't, that's the wrong question. The right question is, God, what can I do with what you've given me? Huh? What can I do with what you've given me? We, we always underestimate what we can do. You'd be surprised what just leverage a little bit into one dimension of your world, how it can change everything, completely change everything. Just speaking up can change everything. So he goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, no dice, you're not leaving. And then he has this rod in his hand that God gave him, that God showed him. It was, the, it was a symbol of the power and the presence of God. And he says to Pharaoh, God is gonna bring plagues upon the land of Egypt. And one, two, three, four, the plagues came, and guess what? The magicians of the day, the cult leaders, reproduced the same miracle. But all of a sudden, things began to change, and it got to the place to where uh, Egypt was in turmoil. It was in complete chaos, kind of like Washington, D.C. <laughs> complete chaos. 
And finally, he says, you know, God is going to bring the 10th plague, and when that happens, it's gonna be a game changer. And God brings a 10th plague, the death of the firstborn, and all of a sudden, the Pharaoh says, and the people say, get them out of here. We don't want them here anymore. And then the interesting thing is, now watch this. Watch how God provides, even in the, mess, the middle of your mess. He says, I want you to go door to door to the Egyptian and ask them for gold and silver and precious stones. Now, can you imagine? You've been a slave, and God says, go to door and ask for silver, gold, and precious stone. And guess what they did? It says they plundered the Egyptians. Wouldn't you want them out of town? Wouldn't you want those people to leave and, and quit messing up your world? But you know, it wasn't for their benefit. It would be later what would build the tabernacle and the temple of God. You see, sometimes God will prosper you, and you don't know what to do with it, and you spend it. Sometimes God will give you a blessing. You don't know what to do with it, and you'll waste it. Do you ever think that maybe God blessed you with that, that you need to deep, you need to fall back into God and say, God, what do I do with this gift? What do I do with this talent? What do I do with this blessing? What do I do with this revenue? How can I turn it into the glory of God and at the same time benefit your family? You know, God loves your family. Whether you're a family of one or more, God loves your family. And God wants you to prosper in all things. God wants you to be able to see things through divine eyes and not through human eyes. And you, if you step back and you just say, God, show me what you're doing. I want you to say that out loud with me. God, show me what you're doing. If you will pray that simple prayer every day, I promise you God will give you insight into your day and into your future. But you have to really seek God with all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. So now they find themselves in the Passover, and we know about the Passover a little bit. The lamb was slain, it was, it was the, and the blood was put on the doorpost. And they put blood at the top up here, and they put blood over here, and they put blood over here, and they put blood down in the doorstep, and it was a sign of a cross, and they didn't even know they were doing it. And it said when the death angel comes and sees the blood, it will pass over that household. Do you realize that when the blood of Jesus is applied to your life, that death passes over? that disease passes over, that despair and depression passes over. You have, to, you have to believe. You can't just say, well, that's nice for you, but not for me. No, you see, it's all about faith. Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. To those who come to God, they must believe that he is. Now listen, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, he's a rewarder God. Can you say he's a rewarder God? He is, you see, you have, to, you have to rehearse the scriptures back in your mind because all week long you're conditioned with exactly the opposite of scripture. And you just get sucked dry. You go, I gotta refill this thing. All right, so now they leave Egypt. They're glad to go. They get into the wilderness and they come to the Red Sea and all of a sudden the people look back and they see Pharaoh coming. He's changed his mind. He's got the chariots. He's got the soldiers. He's got everybody. And now we're gonna pick up the story. You can't stay where you are. You see, they're standing on the edge of what looks like a disaster. We've got the army behind us. We've got the Red Sea in front of us. Exodus 14, verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near... The children of Israel lifted up their eyes. First mistake. When you put your eyes on the problem, you lose your perspective of God. Then your problem becomes your God. Your problem becomes bigger than your God, and you serve a small God. Now, you say, it's natural to see the problem. It is. But we're not supposed to live naturally. We're supposed to live supernaturally natural. 
Amen? We gotta be supernaturally natural in this world. It says, behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were very afraid. Not afraid. They were very afraid. You ever been very afraid? I think I've told you this story. We were traveling in Europe when we lived over there and we had got into Prague about 11 o'clock at night in a train station. Not recommended. And you get off this train and then there's this long tunnel filled with drug addicts and thieves and crooks and it's Tammy, I, and our daughter Jen and she was about 12 at the time and they're both saying how afraid they are and I'm going, it's okay. People go through this all the time and I'm sitting there going, I am so scared. <laughs> I ain't admit it to nobody but I am like, I am afraid right now. These guys are gonna kill us all. They're gonna take us all. I mean, you know, have you ever noticed how when a little bit of fear comes in, you can paint the entire story of your demise? Oh, I know that you know that we're going to be taken off into another part of uh, of Czechoslovakia somewhere, and and all of a sudden we're going to be you know my wife's going to be raped, my daughter's going to be sold into human slavery, and and I'm going to be skinned alive, and 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 it's, and it's and and I'm going to live like a week with no skin on me. I mean, I'm just I can make up the worst scenario in the world. Can anybody relate to this, or or is it just me that's got a an active imagination? But you do the same thing on a smaller level. You may not get that bizarre, but you might look and go, look, I don't even know what we're gonna do. Why are you asking that question? Why not ask this question? God, what are you going to do? God, what are you going to do? You got me in this mess. You called me by your name. You saved me. You, you said you'd be with me wherever I did. Now, God, what are you going to do to get me out of this mess? And you lean into God. You just always lean into God. Even when you don't know what to do, you lean into God. It says they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Now look where they're going. We don't even get a proper burial. We're dying. We're gonna die. We're gonna die. We're done. And there were no there were no one there. Now we're going to die in the wilderness. Why have you dealt with us such to bring us out of Egypt? Is not the word that you told us in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. They chose slavery over freedom. I suggest that's what most people do in the world. They choose what is in the past, even if it's not working, rather than choose God and the freedom of moving forward. Change is a hard thing to put your hand around. When you try to say, well, I'm gonna change, I don't, I don't mind some things changing, but I don't want my world to really change that much, do you? I mean, I just kinda want it kinda stay the same, but that's not how life works, is it? You see, bondage or freedom, it's your choice. I think it's interesting. Everybody was putting their hope in the red wave of politics. Can I just say this honestly? There's not a politician that I've ever heard about that can fix the problem of the world. Amen? Now, there's some that are better at it than others, but that's not where my hope lies. My hope lies in Jesus Christ, the solid rock. On him I stand. I don't trust any other. I just trust in Jesus. But everybody wanted this, this whole thing. And, and imagine this. 
You've gone through hyperinflation almost. You've gone through no borders. You've gone through experimental vaccines. You've gone through all this, and you vote the same people back in. We like those people. I'd just take a risk. I, if that guy did that to me, let's give it to somebody else for a minute, amen? But you see, if you, if you get so locked into the political system that you think it can solve your problem that every time it doesn't go your way, you fall back into despair. Jesus said this, they've hated me, they're gonna hate you. <laughs> what a great encouraging word. Gee, Jesus, thank you so much. They hated you. I just kind of wanted to be liked. No, they're going to hate you. Oh, great. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. And my joy do I give unto you, not as the world gives, but my joy do I give unto you, that your joy might be made full. Well, now we're getting better. It's, I'm liking the verses now. They're kind of getting closer to feel-good verses, Amen. Refrigerator verses, you know what those are? Those ones you put on your refrigerator, the little magnet. You go, yeah, I like that one, I like that one. You don't ever put up some of these other verses. <laughs> you see, when you focus on your problem, you can't see God. It's impossible to see God because you're so focused on a problem. When you focus on God, your problem shrinks. There are so many words that have been spoken over this house from day one that I recite back to myself. I go like, you know, when I have that what am I gonna do moment, I go, God, wait a minute. I'm gonna speak the word. I'm gonna speak the words that have been spoken. I'm going to reaffirm the things where I know you're going. That's what I'm gonna do. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6. This is a Sermon on the Mount. This is the most relaxing verses, this whole section. You know, Matthew 6 through 8. Just read them sometimes. We just want to just kind of decompress and just hear this pure, sweet, strong, powerful, at sometimes cutting message of Jesus. Listen to what he said. Therefore I say unto you, do not worry about your life. Can you just see him saying that? What you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And he uses food and clothing just as symbols of necessities in life. He said the things you're worrying about aren't even necessities. All the basic stuff, I'm gonna take care of you. Listen to what he says. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? If you had all your needs taken care of, not all your wants, could you be happy? See, that's the question that brings it back down to, what do you really want in life? What's it gonna take? What's really important for you? Everything that comes beyond those basic necessities, they are just that. They're beyond the basic necessities. They're, they're, they're about living a little higher standard of living. That's fine. God doesn't put, his, doesn't put any shame on that. But he says, you have to find contentment in me. And everything else will clutter your mind if you let it. You'll get so confused, you'll think this is the way life is supposed to be. 
He says, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? Have you ever worried and gotten taller? I mean, Pat, you're pretty tall. Maybe you've, maybe you've worried a lot, and you just grew. Simon, maybe you were a worrier. You got like six, I don't know, six, 1,200 feet tall. I was standing around Simon and two other guys who were equally as tall, and I felt like a midget. I mean, I go like, uh, hi, guys. So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You ever just looked over a field? I mean, it's beautiful when you go down the, the toll and it's rain and you see it just, it's just like the desert brightens up. Go, oh, it's amazing what God is doing here. Realize that God did that. You know, the, the highway department wasn't out there planting and fertilizing. That was God did that. And he uses that as an illustration. He said, think about it. If, if I can do that to a field, I can, I can do something to a field that Solomon, King Solomon, could never enjoy in, with all of his glory. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then he ends with this, O ye of little faith. Have you ever noticed how everything in the Bible seems to come down to faith? I've either got little faith or I've got great faith. Well, I like to have great faith. Then just practice it. I need, to, I need faith. Remember, remember this scripture? We, we quoted it back and forth. Romans chapter 10. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know how you grow in faith? You just read the word of God. If your faith is down, you're probably not reading the word of God. Just read the word of God. Is that it? Yeah, that's simple. I don't want to work up some. No, you don't have to work up faith. I'm going to read a book on, don't read a book on faith, read the Bible. Why, why do we try to find so many ways to avoid the word of God? We do that too, and you know, like, have you ever had, had this conversation, somebody calls you, I don't know what I'm going to do, and they're calling you. Like, you have the answer. You don't have any answer. At the end of it, you know what you finally say? Well, I guess we're just going to have to pray. It's come to that. We've gotten so desperate, we got to pray. Why, what would happen if we'd start there? Hey, we prayed, then we're gonna call and tell you what God said. Amen? That's how the Christian life is supposed to be lived. I love this scripture in Leviticus. Now, this is a promise. Can you say promise? promise. All right, Leviticus 26.8. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. How about quoting that one once in a while? How about this one, Joshua 23.10? One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. I want God on my team. Amen? I want God on my team. Remember those days when you were young and you picked teams? Nobody picked the worst player first. Have you ever noticed that? I want that guy. Why? I don't know. He can't dribble and he can't jump and... He doesn't even know what basketball is. I want him on my team. Nobody does that. They go, oh, no, I got to take him. That was me in basketball. I played better football than basketball, if you can only imagine. The vertical jump of about an inch and a half. <laughs> but I guarantee you, when the basketball game was over, people knew I was on the court. People were hurting, knocked down. 
sprain things everywhere. I mean, it's just my style. Here's, what, here's the second thing. I want you to see what God can do. Have you ever just said, I want to see what God can do in this situation? I have noticed something very odd, that when I pray, answers come. Hmm. If you're not getting answers, maybe you're not praying enough. It's just, it's amazing. It's kind of like when I went to college, I about flunked out the first year, and then my dad said, you're going in the Army, and my grades got better. <laughs> and I found out there's this amazing connection between study and grades. I had no idea. I went through high school. I never took a book home. I never studied for a test, and somehow I got through. I went to college. I thought it was going to be the same way, and then all of a sudden, they're demanding. They're like wanting real tests. I studied, and I went from almost flunking out to the honor roll, and I was the same kid. I want you to know you can get in the honor roll of God with faith. You might be flunking out spiritually because you're not believing God. I really believe, by the way, prayer needs to be out, just spoken out. I think there's something powerful when you speak it out loud. Get all alone, get in your car, turn off the radio, turn off the stereo, and just begin to say, God, oh God, I, I believe you, God, I trust you. I know that you're working in my life. God, there's a miracle on the way. I haven't seen it yet, but I know it's out there waiting for me instead of, oh me, what am I gonna do? I'm so discouraged, I'm so depressed. Gosh, I, my life, I'm gonna die. You're not gonna die. You ever heard people say that? I thought I was gonna die. You're not gonna die. I got up this morning, the devil was on my side, and he wouldn't leave me alone all day. No, he's not, you're not that important that he would spend all day with you. <laughs> he's got other stuff to do. Not you, you think, well, he just consumed with you? Do you, stick, do you kick sand in his face, or does he kick it in yours? Leonard Ravenhill said, you know, I'm glad that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but more than that, I want 10-foot high letters in hell that says Leonard Ravenhill is alive. Disrupting the kingdom of darkness by your faith. See what God can do. Look at Exodus 14, 13. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, what he will accomplish. God, I want to see what you can do for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again no more forever. For the Lord will fight for you and shall hold your peace. God, see, God's gonna, God likes to fight for us. Smith Wigglesworth, love this guy's name. He said this, believe that you can come into the presence of God and you can have all that you came for. Do you go to prayer believing you're gonna see answers to your prayers or do you go to prayer thinking it's therapeutic and maybe God will feel sorry for you? I think the latter is true more, more often than not. You can take it away and you can use it for all the power of God is at your disposal in response to your faith. Do you realize nobody in here is a secondhand spiritual citizen of the kingdom of God? We all, we all do the same thing. We trust, we believe, we trust, we believe, we trust and we believe. And then I think you have to move in the right direction. Move in the right direction. I know people that lose faith in God and they move away from God. And then all they can do is tell you how God didn't come through 
And the reality is you didn't do what God told you to do. Every time I do what God tells me to do, it works. Every time I do what Phil thinks is right, it, I, it doesn't work. Exodus 14, 15 and 16. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and it will and divide it. You got the power of God in your hand. This is Moses, got the power of God in your hand. Would you just quit whining and tell the people to go forward? And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. The children went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right and on to their left. I'm going to make a couple of statements here. This first one I think is really, you need to keep this one in mind. God can't bless what you don't do. God can't bless what you don't do. Some of you think you're going to remember that. You're not. Put it, get out your phone. Check all your social media posts. I know you do that anyway. And then write this down. God can't bless what I don't do. If you don't do something, he's not blessing it. He's not, you know, it's, he's not going to trick you into doing something. God says do something. Pray. Pray for healing. Well, what if he doesn't have, Quit whining. Just Pray. God can't bless what you don't do. We started this church with this statement. I wanted to bring it back. You can be in the middle of a miracle and not know it. You know, when you're in the middle of a miracle, sometimes you don't see the manifestation of it, but you're already in it. You're just waiting for the full discovery and the release of God. Do you realize that never was there a miracle unless there was first a problem? If you don't have a problem, then you're not a, a candidate for miracles. If you got a problem, guess what? You're a candidate for a miracle. You could be in the middle of it right now, and you're saying, I don't know if God's coming through. When's God coming through? God, no, you just say, God is coming through. Can you say that with me? God is coming through. Amen? Make a faith declaration in your life. You know what that is? God will do this, and you fill in the blank. God will do this, fill in the blank. God will do this, fill in the blank. God will do this. Not, I hope God does this. I wonder if God will do this. No, God, God will do this. This is what I'm trusting God for. You should be able to, if somebody asks you at any moment, what are you trusting God for? You should be able to give them one or two things you're trusting God for. Listen to what Job says, Job 22, verse 28. You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. You will declare a thing and it will be established for you. You know what declaration is? God will. That's a declaration. I declare this is what's gonna happen. This is, what I'm, this is where I'm moving in. This is where I'm going with God. I declare a thing and it shall happen for you. You know, We've seen so many miracles. In, in fact, there was a reference in the worship set to expect a miracle. You'll, you'll see it in a little banner out there. We just, we just know that the only explanation of everything we've been able to do has been the miracle of God, the hand of God. You know, last week we told you about wanting to expand American faith, and, you know, we threw a number out there. We threw an idea out there, and, we, you know, God just took care of it all. You just declare a thing and you move in it. 
so much of my faith, I'm a nervous wreck in the process. Can I just be honest? I'm just a nervous wreck. I mean, there are times where I go, I'll say God's gonna do something, and then I'll go, what am I thinking? Have you ever done that? Anybody ever done that? Like, oh, Phil, why'd you go public? (laughs) But the fight of faith, that's where you get the good out of faith. You gotta be in the fight of faith. If you don't tell anybody, there's no fight. What's God doing? Nothing. What are you believing for? Nothing. Oh, but I'm doing good. Now oh, get in the middle of it. I put three areas down I want you to think about that you can make a declaration today. First one is family. Second one is finance. And third one is freedom. There may be another area, but I want you to think about those three. Do I need to make a, fa- a, a declaration in faith about something related to my family, something related to my finances, or something related to my, my freedom. Stand with me, would you? I want this to be a, a, a time of, of dedication, a time where there's an altar of God before you. And you have to make a declaration. You have to declare something that you want to see God do, that God is going to do in your life. It might be related to your family. It might be related to finance. It might be related to freedom. It might be something totally different. But I want, you to, I want you just to speak, and you can speak it softly. You don't have to speak it out loud if you don't want to. But I say, God, I am believing you for, and then you fill in the blank. All right, let's just take a moment right now. Just go ahead and just say it. I am believing God for. Say it, just say it out loud. Just say it out loud. I am believing God for. You gotta call those things that are not as though they are in the spiritual realm. You gotta say it so when it's not so in order for it to be so. You have to walk in the invisible in order to touch the visible. I'm believing God for. I declare this to be the direction God is going to take me, God is gonna lead me, God is gonna answer this prayer. All right, now let me ask you, how many of you had a faith declaration? Just raise your hand up. Amen. Anybody else? Faith declaration. Just keep them up. Keep them up. Won't hurt you. Probably good for you. In fact, you know the Hebrew word for uh, praise is the word yada. It means the thrusting forth of the hands. Pray, real praise happens when you do this. When you put both hands up, you're surrendering. Amen? I surrender to God. God, I can't do this one. All right, now, with your hands up, you've made a faith declaration. I want to pray for those of you who have your hands up. If some of you want to slip your hands up now, as you know, you're going to get a little Benny from it. All right. <laughs> Amen? All right, I didn't want to raise my hand, but now I, I see I guess there's something good coming here. Dear Lord Jesus, I want you to look on the hands of every person who's raised today. They have made a faith declaration I pray, God, that you will protect that declaration from the enemy who wants to erode it, destroy it, and sidetrack it. I pray, God, that you will answer according to your mighty power, that your kingdom come, your will be done, that we bring heaven to earth and we make a declaration. We say, the Lord says it's so. I'm gonna call it so when it doesn't look likely, but I'm gonna call it so in faith. If that was your declaration, would you say, I receive that in Jesus' name? Amen.